are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, which is a look up locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, for today's show, we were looking at Diamondbacks free agent targets. We're going off MLB Trade Rumors top 50 free agents, so we're going to be doing a little synopsis off the blurb they give, and then we'll be breaking down the pros and cons for why the D-backs should be targeting and going after these players. So, we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today, and these won't be the top 25 free agents. I'm starting from the bottom and working my way up from number 50, so we won't even crack the top 25 today. So this is just part one of the free agents the D-backs should consider this offseason. But before we get there, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that jazz so I can do that do this podcast for you, so thank you. But now, a jump right into the podcast with Miller Thomas, me of Locked on Dimebacks. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. It's still me, Miller Thomas. Don't know why I said that before the intro, but sometimes when doing podcasts, especially doing them live, you just be saying the first thing that's on your mind when it should really be more thought out and measured. So I'll be thinking about that the more I'll be doing these podcasts. Really think and measure before you speak. But let's jump right into the conversation. Let's discuss the free agents the D-backs should be looking at this offseason. We're going off MLB Trade Rumors Top 50 Free Agents entering free agency we are starting from the bottom number 50 and this guy falls 48 on MLB trade rumors list and that is Danny Duffy projected for a one-year 10 million dollar deal some teams that they have that might be interested Angels Dodgers Royals and Danny Duffy he got off to a fantastic start in the 2021 season, a 194 ERA through the first seven outings. I know how good he was because I had him on my fantasy team and the dude was killing it, but he then flexor strain. He missed more than a month. He was put on the IL. He came back off the injured list. He pitched 42. He had a 42 pitch start on June 23rd. Then he came out of relief a couple days later, made a few more starts, never pitched more than 77 pitches and then he ultimately went back on the injured list he was traded to the Dodgers at the deadline but he suffered a setback with his injury never made his debut and basically the injury took him out for the whole season and it was sad to see because once again 194 ERA through his first seven starts this year Dan Duffy was putting together maybe the best 
best season of his career before his injuries. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see the full season from Danny Duffy. But let's talk about the pros and cons as to why the D-back should think about with Danny Duffy. Well, in 61 innings this year, he posted a career best 25.8 strikeout percentage, the second best FIP of his career, 3.4, and the third best whip of his career, 1.21. He's got a career 395 year rate over 11 seasons with the Royals, and he will be another lefty arm for this D-back team. So he can strike out guys. His FIP this past season actually shows you that might not have been a fluky year. The whip was really good too. And over the course of his career, he's just been a steady pitcher. ERA slightly below four over a decade plus of pitching. That's pretty good. And the D-backs are a team that doesn't have a ton of lefty arms on this overall staff. If they want to add a veteran starter to the back end of the rotation i like the I, I like myself with danny duffy but some cons he's 33 a little bit older could be looking for a contender because of it and the d-backs might want a younger arm in the rotation you know Ty, uh, taylor widener or tyler gilbert i don't know and the other thing that gives me a little trepidation over the past three seasons, his ERA was around a 4.7 prior to 2021. So it wasn't like he was really lighting it up the previous three years. And then all of a sudden, boom, 2021 happens and he looks good again. Plus, he has health concern, health concerns. So there are some injury risks with the Danny Duffy uh, in terms of is he going to regress, even though the FIP looked really good? There are some question marks, but I like it, Danny Duffy. The D-backs could get him around 5 to $7 million. I think that would be a pretty good deal for the D-backs, and he can always be an asset to trade at the deadline. Next up is another potential guy who could be on a little bit of a prove deal. Maybe he's an asset to trade at the deadline if the D-backs could land him. That is Corey Kluber. Excuse me. Sorry about the mic. It was falling over a little bit. That is Corey Kluber, projected one-year $12 million deal. This guy won Cy Youngs in 2014 and 2017. Uh, he missed the entire season, though, in 2019, or excuse me, he almost missed the entire 2019 and 2020 seasons due to forearm and shoulder injuries. So stud from 2014 to 2018, uh, stud throughout all those years, two Cy Young Awards, then injuries got him. And he made some showcases this past offseason for some teams before the Yankees ultimately signed him to a one-year $11 million deal. And the, the the season for him, for Corey Kluber, was, uh, it was up and down. It was a roller coaster ride, to say the least. I mean, he had 16 starts with the Yankees, and he threw a no-hitter during those 16 starts back on May 19th. But if you look at his first half and second half ERAs, they were dramatically different. So it makes you really wonder what kind of player are the D-backs going to get when they sign a Corey Kluber? Well, let's make the case. Let's look at those pros and cons because Corey Kluber could be interested in a one-year prove deal where he potentially gets traded at the deadline. Maybe that's Maybe that's something of interest to Corey Kluber. And we got Brent Strom. Like, that could be a piece that slightly moves the needle just a little bit for some of these free agent pitchers. I don't think they're going to go someplace just because of a pitching coach. But it is another feather in the hat for the D-backs because we've seen what he's been able to do with veteran pitchers, get them back on track. And so maybe a Strom could do that where Corey Kluber... Kluber had a 3.04 ERA in the first half. His strikeouts per nine was still above nine. And he still 
a big game energy kind of guy. He is a guy who's a former ace, a former stud, so he's not going to fret when it's a, a big moment or he needs to show up against a big team at the end of the year with potential playoff implications on the line. That's not going to scare Corey Kluber. So he does have big game energy that the D-backs could use. And if I look at the cons, 36 in April, so he's older. Of course, the injury history. He missed time in 2021 with injury. He missed time the two seasons prior with injury, so he does deal with a lot of injuries. And he looked great in the first half, but only the first half. He had like an ERA above five in the second half. Like he was terrible in the second half of the season. He's got a fastball below 90 miles per hour at this point of his career. And if you look at his numbers with runners in scoring position, 297 average allowed and 877 OPS allowed two with runners in scoring position. Corey Kluber, I think there is a little bit of upside with him, but he is an older kind of a pitcher. The only reason I would like to use him or get him on the team because he's a veteran, I think he can help stabilize the back end of the rotation. I'm praying that if he does get to the D-backs, Brent Strom could help rejuvenate his career. But there are a lot of question marks with the Corey Kluber who falls at number 46 on MLB Trade Rumors Top 50 Free Agents. I think a Danny Duffy might be a safer option than a Corey Kluber, but I think Corey Kluber might have a slightly higher upside than Danny Duffy. But either way, Corey Kluber projected for a one-year $12 million deal. I think you could probably get that for around 7 or $8 million if you're the D-backs. That's at least the kind of deal you're looking for. And then the last dude I want to talk about before we wrap up the first segment is Mark Melanson. Projected two-year, $14 million deal. Uh, some teams that might be interested, the Phillies and the Cardinals. Melanson's a little bit older, but still led all of baseball. He led all of baseball with 39 saves for the Padres this past season. Among relievers with at least 50 innings, he had a 2-2-3 ERA, which ranks 18th. And Melanson is just overall a very good pitcher. He's mostly a ground ball pitcher that pitches to weak contact. Super low barrel rate, super low average exit velocity so he's someone that just not going to kill you when he's pitching and if I looked at the pros and cons he only signed for around three million dollars the last winner and he was already a good pitcher so even though he's projected two years 14 million dollars by MLB trade rumors he was a good pitcher entering last offseason and he still only got three million so maybe it'll be low again he had a strikeout rate below 22% over the last three years. That's not a pro, but the pro is the fact that even though it's a low strikeout rate, he's getting a lot of ground balls, a lot of weak contact, and his numbers are runners in scoring position, which you're going to care about for a guy who's going to be a back-end reliever for you. 197 average against and a 509 OPS against with runners in scoring position. His numbers were decidedly better in high leverage moments than low leverage moments and he gave up only six earned runs over 40.2 innings pitched on two days of rest or less. So when this guy got two days of rest or less, he was absolutely shut down. He was better the less rest you gave him. So for a guy who's going to be a potential closer next season, that's a stat they want to see. I could give this guy the ball three out of four days and it's not going to affect him. But the cons... He's going to be 37. That arm's going to fall off soon. Uh, he might want to go to a contender considering this could be the last big deal he gets. So he may not want to go to a rebuilding D-backs team. Highest walk percentage since 2010 and his 3.36 FIP, which doesn't sound that high, was still above his career 294 FIP. So even though it wasn't that high, it was higher than his career average and it was higher for his career higher than his career average for the second straight season. So FIP starting to come down a little bit or 
maybe it's actually starting to go up, starting to be above his career average on a normal basis, which shows you the decline is potentially coming. But even with that being said, he still pitches to a lot of contact. He may not strike out a lot of people, but it's a lot of weak contacts. He's not giving up home runs, and he's deadly with runners in scoring position. He's deadly in high leverage moments, and he's deadly on short rest. Because of all that, the D-backs need some more relievers, and Mark Melanson is someone I would love the D-backs could get if they could do it for two years, $10 million. Now we'll talk about some more free agents the Dimebacks should be interested in, but this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's get back into it. Let's discuss some more free agents the D-backs should target this offseason. And again, these are guys at the bottom of the top 50. We're starting from 50 and working our way up. So these some of these guys might not be the most sexiest names out there. And this next guy, Jonathan Villar, could be a potential target for the D-backs. Projected two years, $14 million. Mets, Rockies, and White Sox are projected to be interested. He's a utility infielder. can play a bunch of, bunch of different positions around the diamond. He struggled in 2020, but had a 105 WRC plus this year for the Mets and a 107 mark in 2019. And even though he's not known for his defense, he's a guy, once again, that could play all around the diamond, which I think is probably the biggest pro he has because the D-backs are in depth desperate need of a third baseman and Villar can easily play third base for this team if he needs to play second base he could do that if he needs to play shortstop he could do that as well D-backs like players with versatility they like putting Rojas infield outfield Ketel Marte infield outfield Peyton Smith infield outfield Dalton Varsho same thing a lot of these D-back players are versatile in terms of the defensive positions they command Villar is right in that cut as well and he had 18 home runs. Remember, no one on, on this D-backs team finished the season with at least 15, so 18 would be a big improvement, and he had 14 stolen bases that would have led the D-backs too. He's a switch hitter, which of course means he can bat from both sides of the plate. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that if you're listening to a baseball podcast about the D-backs. His stats were similar versus lefties and righty pitchers, so it's really not that big of a difference depending on who's on the mound. 275 hitter and 810 OPS when batting first, so the D-backs were a team that had a whole bunch of guys playing uh leading off the game Ketel Marte Rojas Paven Smith Cole Calhoun you name it they probably slotted into the first spot in the lineup at least once last season for the D-backs probably even a, a Nick Heath uh batted first at least once for the D-backs last year like it was a motley crew a rotating door of mediocrity batting first to get the offense start for the D-backs so Villar is someone that could get the offense started and has been very good at that position in his career. But cons, 
He would have been last in contact percentage among D-backs with 300 plate appearances last year. 192 average and 410 OPS with runners in scoring position. He's not good with runners in scoring position. And the D-backs are a team that kind of struggles with offense. So that's going to be a big need for them is coming through with runners in scoring position. Not really Villar's strong, uh, strong point. Uh, 215 average and 650 OPS on the road. So it makes you think... How does he play outside of Mets Stadium? And after, uh, and, and also last year, he signed for a $3.5 million deal with the Mets entering free agency. So he might be wanting to see a pay increase after having a nearly 2015 campaign. He might he might want a little bit more bump in his salary, which the D-backs will not do. They will not go over probably $6 million for Villar, $5 million. So the D-backs could get someone like Villar, someone could play multiple positions, get you 20-plus home runs, 20-plus stolen bases for the cheap. I think they would do it, but there's some definite concerns in terms of contact percentage overall ops he does have some flaws in his game but for the areas that the d-backs need most help in power speed i think villar would fit tremendously and he could play third base so i'm pro villar for the d-backs and remember a lot of these guys the d-backs are not going to get superstar players we can't go out there and expect hey d-backs are going to get chris bryant to help third base or get you know uh carlos correa to play shortstop and move someone else to third base like it's not gonna happen the d-backs have to work around the margin and get these bargain players and villar is one of them but let's move on now let's talk about hector naris who's projected a two-year 15 million dollar deal pitch eight seasons for the phillies he's giving up the home run ball a decent amount of his career but he's a strikeout artist 31.1 strikeout percentage since 2019 11th in baseball during that time among relievers with at least 140 innings pitched and his swinging strikeout rate during that time ranks fifth as well so this guy is a complete strikeout monster and let's look at some of those pros because he's got 363 era for his career double digit strikeouts per nine the last six years and a career 1.19 whip so all that is really good he's got fastball and singer that sits in the mid 90s 185 average and 580 ops allowed against right-handed batter so he shuts down righties could be a specialist for the d-backs 185 average and 667 ops against in high leverage moments so that tells you a lot as well considering he is a back-end reliever an era almost a point higher in save situations than non-save situations so the d-backs put this guy in situations where he might have might be able to save the ball game he's actually better in those situations and the d-backs we're one of the worst teams in baseball last year converting saves. So if they actually had a save opportunity and they just want to take, I don't know, a wild dart throw, then put Hector Neres in the save situation and he's most likely to come through for the team. At least that's what the numbers tell you. But there's some other numbers that tell you he's not very likely because he had seven blown saves this past year, a 4.08. 4.08 FIP was higher than his career average of 379 FIP and his walk percentage has been double digits the last two years so he's a guy that's gonna give up home runs he's gonna walk people and walk people and he's gonna he's gonna blow the occasional game but he's at least better in safe situations than non-safe situations even though he's gonna blow some games he's pretty good in high leverage moments and he can strike out a ton of batters all things that the D-backs desperately need in the bullpen. So I'm pro Hector Neris. Projected two years, $15 million. The D-backs, again, they're looking for that 5 to $7 million price range. And that's on the higher end of their budget. So Hector Neris might fall right into that price range. I don't think the D-backs would be against adding him to the bullpen. 
Then the last guy I want to talk about to wrap up the second segment is Alex Cobb. Once again, not a sexy name, but Cobb. 25% strikeout mark this past season was the best of his career, even though his walk rate was the worst since his rookie season. He did hit the injured list in July with some wrist issues. He was out for two months, and he also hasn't made 20 starts since 2018. So this is a guy who does deal with health issues throughout his career. But let's look at some of those pros and cons, because pro, 376 ERA. Uh, he has a 376 ERA. Since 2017, a 292 FIP was the, or excuse me, let me repeat that. I, I terribly butchered this stat. His 376 ERA was the best of his career since 2017. I don't know why I keep butchering that. His 376 ERA was the best of his career since 2017. Boom, I got it out. That's that's on me. Some sloppy notes here taken, so I apologize for that. His 292 FIP was a career best. His 9.5 strikeouts per nine was a career high. And his fastball percentage, excuse me, his fly ball percentage was under 16 for the past two seasons. So he's not giving up a lot of fly balls. And he has a fastball and sinker that's in the mid to low 90s. So he can throw some heat. He's still a strikeout guy. His FIP was the best of his career, telling you that regression may not be coming. And he has a he had a pretty good ERA this past season as well. So overall, it was one of the best seasons of Alex Cobb's career, which is surprising to say. But the cons, he's in his mid-30s, may want to play for a contender. Coming off the best Coming off best the the arguably the best season of his career. Uh, again, I'm just struggling to talk today. Coming off arguably the best season of his career, which can be a con because maybe it is a fluke season. The ERA, the FIP, the strikeouts per nine, all the numbers tell you it wasn't. But this is if you're having a career year in your mid 30s, I have to take that with a grain of salt. His home ERA was a 2-2-2. His road ERA, though, was a 5.4, so absolutely terrible on the road. And this is probably the two biggest stats I care about the most. 319 average and 980 OPS allowed with runners in scoring position. 317 average and 868 OPS allowed in high leverage moments. The guy can't get it done with runners on the bases or late in games in high leverage moments it's going to be tough for the D-backs to win games then because it's not like we've seen the bullpen help them out. It's not like we've seen the offense come through a lot in high-leverage moments either. So they're going to need their starters to come through, and they can't add a guy who can't come through with runners in scoring position or high-leverage moments. So Alex Cobb, I like him. I think he's a real target for the D-backs. Back-end rotation guy, veteran, can stabilize the rotation, yada, yada. But there are some concerns there that he's coming off his best season as a 33, 34-year-old pitcher. But Considering his strikeout numbers, considering his ERA, FIP, he might be a guy the D-backs definitely consider during the offseason. Now, we'll wrap up the pod by talking about some more free agents. But first... continue by keep talking about free agents the D-backs should target and I want to first start with the Corey Nebel who falls 38 on MLB's top free agents list Alex Cobb was 39 I don't think I mentioned that Corey Nebel or is it Knievel I think it's Corey Knievel 
Two years, $18 million is what he's projected. Red Sox, Phillies, Twins expected to be interested. This is someone who had Tommy John surgery in March 2019. He returned in 2020, was not that good in 15 appearances, traded to the Dodgers, uh, basically missed three months more with injury, but then he returned the second half of the season and was completely dominant, 19 appearances. He made some as an opener, back-end reliever. He did it all, even though it was an opener in the playoffs for the Dodgers really useful and if i have to go through the pros and cons of kniebel pros he can be used as an opener or late inning guy like he can start the game for you or finish the game for you in 25 innings this year 245 era 10 and a half strikeouts per nine 2.9 fip 29.7 percent strikeout percentage hard hit percentage of only 28 percent and still sits in the mid 90s with his fastball despite tommy john's surgery a 2.08 era in save situations which is which is about a point and a half lower than a non-save situation so kind of has that Hector Neris working for him, 133 average and 448 OPS allowed in high leverage moments. So this guy's absolutely shut down high leverage moments. So I love this guy as a potential back end reliever for the D-backs. And if I have to look at the cons, uh, there, there's not many cons here with Corey Kniebel. But one of the cons is he's he could be a sleeper for a nice size deal by a contender. I could see someone ponying up the money for Kniebel when they take a harder look at the stats. He does have some health con health concerns considering Tommy John surgery, and then he missed more time with injury after that. And he has a career 10.6 .6 walk percentage. So he has walked quite a few dudes throughout his career, but overall, not really worried about the cons or the concerns with Corey Kniebel. I think he's pretty good. And if the D-backs could steal him, because I think he's going to go for more money than he's even projected. Projected two years, $18 million, he'll probably get around that. But if somehow the D-backs could steal that guy in free agency, that's one of my number one targets for, for a reliever that, that, I, that I would love the D-backs to go after. Next up, we got Eduardo Escobar, who falls 35 on MLB's top 50 free agents list, projected two years, 20 million. I don't think I really have to sell you guys on Eduardo Escobar. We traded for him, fantastic 2018 season, uh, at least second half, fantastic 2019 season, terrible in 2020, bounced back in 2021, and he's a guy who can play multiple positions. I don't think I have to tell anyone that. Versatile, he's got the power, he's a fan favorite. Everyone wants to bring Eduardo Escobar back, so let's just do it. There's been a hole there since we traded him, and there's still a hole there now, so the D-back should just go at him in free agency but the cons if there is any he is entering his mid-30s he's terrible at getting on base he has a very low obp it's like 300 for his career and his strikeout rate is above 20 percent. so not the worst thing in the world not the best either but i love eduardo escobar should we have traded him at the deadline yes did i like the package of what we got for him no so at, with hindsight we shouldn't have traded him because we got a terrible package for him but Hopefully, we can right the wrong and bring him back next season because the D-backs need a third baseman and Eduardo Escobar would fit perfectly back in this lineup. And then the last guy I want to talk about is UCI Kikuchi. I think I said his name right. I really tried to find his name on YouTube. Kikuchi, I definitely got right his last name, but UCI, I might got wrong. I might have pronounced that wrong, but... Southpaw, 30 years old, averages 95 miles per hour on his fastball. And this is one of those guys like a Corey Kluber that had a tail of two halves because before July 1st, Kikuchi had a 3.1 ERA, 25% strikeout rate, 8.5% walk rate in 15 starts. He made an all-star team. He was doing phenomenal before July 1st. But 
after July uh, after July 1st, he lost 200 rotations per minute on his fastball, lost about a mile an hour on his fastball. Maybe it was the sticky stuff crackdown, but after July 1st, 622 ERA, 23% strikeouts per nine and 10.3 walk percentage, 1.7 home runs allowed per nine innings. He did not look good in the second half of the season. The Mariners didn't want to give him a four-year $66 million option, and Kikuchi declined his one-year $13 million option, so he's going to be a free agent. And if I had to say the pros for Kikuchi, hard-throwing lefty, which everyone liked, a brilliant first half of the season. Lefty is only batted 147 with a 478 OPS against him, allowed a 195 average and 578 OPS with runners in scoring position and a 193 average and 593 OPS allowed in high leverage moments. So he's good at shutting down people with runners in scoring position, high leverage moments, and he's great at shutting down lefties. But the cons, terrible second half. Uh, his exit velocity of 91.9 was the worst in baseball. 47% hard hit percentage was second worst in baseball. And he gave up uh, more than a fifth of his fly balls, went for home runs. Righty's batted 270 against him with an 830 OPS and a 347 average allowed with 1204 OPS allowed when ahead or excuse me when batters are ahead in the count. So this guy struggles mightily when he's behind in the count, which makes sense. Pitchers are going to struggle more, but he just gets figured out way too easily. And you combine that with his hard contact numbers. When this guy's behind in the count, you best believe he's giving up some extra base hits. The D-backs can't add another pitcher who likes to give up extra base hits he is great against the lefties which is very nice to see he's gonna be one of those cases like a uh, Corey Kluber that maybe when he gets with Brent Strom he can just unlock a Kikuchi and just take him to that next level like we've seen with other pitches so that's why I would want a Kikuchi because Brent Strom has a track record of making pitchers evolve and take off when he is basically the Midas of pitching coaches whoever he goes near ends up being a potential Cy Young award winner so maybe the same thing could happen for Kikuchi we won't know till we see, but I don't think he's going to garner a major crazy contract after the second half of the season. So I do think he's a potential target for the Arizona Diamondbacks entering free agency. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow with part two, breaking down more free agent people targets contracts breakdowns doing it all cases pros and cons anything you want pertaining to free agency and targets we'll be doing part two with the d-backs off of mlb uh trade rumors top 50 free agents list but before you listen to the next pod go listen to Locked On Bets, make that your second listen of the day because your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. So go make Locked On Bets your second listen of the day. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!